acapella yet. <laughs> Lullaby and good night, for the earth is dying. Go to sleep now, rest your head. In the morning you'll be dead. Lullaby and good night, while toxic waves are seeping. Lullaby and good night, what the fuck are you doing sleeping? Okay, Julie, it's been about, always oh, been over a year since there was an assassination attempt on your life, and last summer was Redwood Summer. What do you think has been accomplished within this last year? Well, um, Redwood Summer actually changed the whole political climate here. Um, before that, we were experiencing increasing use of um, vigilante violence to try to stop us from protesting the destruction of the Redwoods. Redwoods were going down as fast as they could take them out um, with an attempt to take everything that they could and pay off their junk bonds and just cut as fast as they could. Um, and it wasn't really known outside of this area. I mean, everybody knows that the tropical rainforests are being destroyed. But what they don't know is that the redwood forest, the temperate rainforest, is being destroyed faster. And um, I think that what Redwood Summer did was get this issue out of this area. Um, and that I think we got both national and international attention to the issue. And it's become an issue that's broader than just this local area. And we, we really need that kind of pressure because these are little company towns here. And they're completely controlled by Louisiana Pacific or Georgia Pacific, one of these companies. And if nobody outside of our area is listening to what's going down, then we don't really have much chance of stopping it. What is the difference in the rate of cut that's been going out since Redwood Summer and now? Uh, well, actually, what happened after Redwood Summer wasn't even so much a result of Redwood Summer, but a result of the economy. Um, last year, 1990, there was supposed to be a voter initiative to um, put some limits on Redwood cutting. And in order to beat that voter initiative, to get all the trees down they could before regulations were passed, they brought in people from all over the country. That We weren't the only people who brought in people from all over the country. So did the timber companies. They had everybody logging, everybody trucking. They had people out here from the Rust Bowl. They had everybody they could get logging as fast as they could. And the rate was at least 300% the rate of growth last summer. I believe it was more. But it's hard to get these exact figures because the companies won't release their inventory figures. But from all reasonable estimations that were made by the government agencies, it was at least 300%. Um, so they got all these trees down, and then all of a sudden a recession hit. And they had them stacked up in the woods, and they had them stacked up at the mills, and all of a sudden they couldn't sell them. So um, they began layoffs. And in fact, the voter initiative failed. No environmental reforms were passed. They had told all the workers that if the environmental reforms passed, we're going to lay you all off. Well, they didn't pass, and they still laid everybody off. So the unemployment since last year, they've closed um, two major sawmills here and um, laid off shifts at other ones and had temporary shutdowns at others. And they've opened a redwood mill in Mexico, and they're shipping wood, what wood they're even milling, they're milling in Mexico as much as they can because they pay only 85 cents an hour there. So what's happening is jobs are just disappeared in this area. So um, Louisiana Pacific laid off one third of its workforce since last since Redwood summer. Um, the loggers tell me that in the woods, unemployment seems to be about 50 percent this year. Um, so that's in my area. So it, it's hard to it's hard to tell the exact figures, but it's way down and logging is way down. But it's not down because of any change in philosophy. They still intend to take every single tree they can. It's only down because of economics. And again, because they don't, if they had logged slower last year, there would have been more jobs this year. 
But, um, you know, they don't care about our region. They don't, companies, they don't care about our economy. They don't care about the workers and they don't care about the forest. All they care about is their profit. So, um, right now this year, Let's say that if it was cut by one half, it would still be 150% of growth. If last year the rate was 300%, this year it's one half, it's still 150 But it's way slower than last year. How long do you think it's going to be before all the um, ancient redwoods are going to be totally depleted? Um, well, the ancient redwoods, they probably have 10 more years. Um, but where I live, there are already, there's two counties involved. Humboldt County is where most of the ancient redwoods are. And Mendocino County, where I live, is um, where most of the clear cuts are. And they've pretty much fi finished up the, the, the forest here. So there are virtually no old growth stands left in Mendocino County. The forest, the, the demographics of it is that the forest is dying from the south and we're the southern county. So what we're seeing here this year is what's going to be later a little farther north. So we're, we're watching a, a shrinking forest that used to go all the way from Oregon to Santa Cruz. That's a real big distance, you know, about halfway down California. Um, now it's down to a couple of counties worth. And what's happening here is they've already cut, they've already cut once. They cut all the old growth down. Then after World War II, they came back and cut all the second growth or a lot of the second growth, what had grown back. And now they're cutting third growth. They're cutting trees as young as 20 years old. And these are redwood trees, a tree that would naturally live to be a thousand years old. So this is a baby tree and it's not even old enough to be economically worth it to cut it. Um, and what they're doing with these baby redwood trees, which is the future of our forest, is chipping it and uh, making pulp out of it or, or making wafer board or other degraded products that are glued together with poison glues. And um, so what they're doing, it, it, this basically involves conversion of forest land, because once you cut it three times, it's not going to keep growing back. So these timber companies, are, are they're ready to leave. They're on the run side of cut and run. They're on their way out. They're laying off workers like crazy. They've destroyed the timber base, and they're going back for one last mop-up operation to take cut the forest one last time before they leave, regardless of size. And so what, then after that, they subdivide it, sell it to ranchers, sell it to developers, they sell it to vineyards. There's a lot of wine production around here. So what's actually happened is the conversion of it, and some of it just becomes wasteland, especially the steep places. So um, we're watching the, the death of the redwood forest in my area, and along with the death of the forest, comes the death of our economy because this economy is entirely based on timber. It's not diversified at all. There's pretty much nothing to do except for timber here. And um, so there's been, there's no concern. They don't care anymore about the timber workers than they care about the forest. So when the trees are gone, the jobs just dry up and people are expected to move on. Um, like the dust bowl, we call it the sawdust bowl. And uh, you know, the, the, their concern is, it's real funny that they walk around you know, trying to get people to hate the environmentalists and act like the corporations are on their side. I think a lot of people learned a lesson on that list last year because now they're out of work and the companies don't care what happens to them. I think that was one of the things that the corporations really tried to do was get the environmentalists against the workers. And I know you've been very much involved in trying to get everybody involved in this. I, today you're going to interview a logger, and I believe he's been laid off. Yes. And w w what do you think he is going to tell you now that he's laid off? Well, one of the things, uh, his employer, well, this logger I'm talking to today, his employer is one of the nastier ones. Most of the logging is not directly done by the corporations anymore. It's done by what's called GIPO companies, smaller contractors. And this is one of the larger small contractors. And he's one of the ones who we have very strong, we have been told, uh, was paying vigilantes to lie in wait for us in, in the woods last year, armed vigilantes who were given both arms and money to try to, uh, 
hunt down earth roosters, basically. And I'm hoping to find out some of the details about the vigilantism that went on last year. Um, but, but that is an element that's happening in these ads. Last year, they told the loggers that they were in immediate danger from Earth First, that, you know, they, that basically that 5,000 gun-toting hippies were going to come in and apply for welfare and uh, sabotage their equipment. And in fact, what happened last summer, in fact, your original question, what happened last summer, in spite of, of grave attacks on us, of the worst kind of violence, and not just against me, also less publicized attacks, we maintained our presence and our nonviolence the whole summer, and we made history in this region. And just the, the right of people to protest, the, the timber companies have a very long and nefarious history of anyone who would oppose them, certainly the labor organizers, have always been dealt with with brutal violence. Um, that's why we originally drew the comparison between Mississippi, we called it Mississippi Summer in the Redwoods, because it was that kind of thing, the kind of way that blacks were treated, that's the way that environmentalists are treated here. And just to establish our right to be here and to stand and that we can stand up to their violence and, and we can maintain our principles. That was a real important political accomplishment last year. And, um, I, you know, I think that's one of the things that's enabling us to continue this year is that we really did stand up against incredible odds last year against one of the most powerful extractive industries in the United States. And we have stood up to them and are continuing to stand up to them. And it seems like you plan on doing that for ever, you know, how long it will take to keep standing up to protect what little is left of the redwoods. Yeah, and well, we're not, and we're not even just trying to protect it, what little is left. We're trying to protect the ability of the forest to grow back and recover. And we're trying to protect the gene pool of these incredible, magnificent trees, one of the most incredible ecosystems that exists on Earth. I think that most people in the Midwest probably have never seen a redwood tree, and the reason that they're so significant I mean, these trees are like 300 feet tall. They can be 12 to 18 feet across. And when you stand near a redwood tree, you don't need anybody to explain to you. You understand that this tree is a greater being than yourself. The humans are not the greatest beings on earth that we're only part of nature. And one of the things that's so significant about redwood trees is they are a, a species of being that can teach us that lesson. What are the visions of Ecotopia that are planned for this region? Well, actually, this summer's actions we're calling Ecotopia Summer, and I probably need to explain what Ecotopia is first. Um, the concept is based on uh, a couple of novels by a guy named Ernest Kallenbach, and in it, it's a, it, a lot of the things in the novels are silly, and I wouldn't really go along with it, but the basic concept of it is really good. And in these novels, Northern California, Oregon, and Washington secede from the United States and set up a new society. Um, the first thing they do is ban the internal combustion engine. But um, it's a new society that's based on the concept that rather than using our technology to try to obtain as much as we can from the earth, that our technology should be used to try to achieve a stable state with nature. And so that's the concept of Ecotopia, is that the, the, that the morals of our society and the use of our technology needs to be to try to obtain a stable state with nature and not to live at the expense of the earth's light support system. So. That's why we're calling it the Ecotopia Summer with the layoffs this year, um, with the economic devastation that's come along. I mean, it's really bad here. They're canceling the football programs in schools. The libraries are only open a couple hours a week. Our whole infrastructure of our society, of our small communities, is falling apart because of the timber companies' cut-and-run policies. So with this going on, what we want to address is not just that we shouldn't destroy this last little teeny remnant of the redwood forest, but we want to address the issue of what should we do instead? 
How should we live on this earth? How should we live in these communities? And that's what the concept of Ecotopia is about and what Ecotopia Summer is about. So along those lines, one of the things that we've done is we're working on an Earth First Forest Restoration Project. There are a lot of um, loggers and um, uh, you know people who are interested in biology who have been trying to develop methods to deal with these destroyed forest lands that we have here. And you know what? How can we how can we help the restoration? How can we repair some of the damage that humans have done to the forest? And there is funding available for some of these things. There's even grants that have gone unclaimed. So we're trying to, um, to, to put one of those things in motion and with the priority of hiring displaced timber workers. We understand, though, perfectly well that just like making little toys for children or lint, lint cleaners or whatever that they had in Roger and me is not going to, to replace basic industry like timber. It's just not going to. We need a whole different society and a whole different way of living and a whole different way of, con of consuming or not consuming. Um, so the slogan is, re is resist, restore, and reduce. Resist the corporations and their destruction of the earth. Restore the earth and try to make it be able to grow back on its own. And um, to reduce consumption, to reduce our own consumption, to change our own lifestyles. And Northern California is a perfect place for this because there already exists here a very strong um, countercultural movement that goes back 20 years. And so there's a lot of people who have been trying to build an alternative culture that's not based on extraction from the earth and have been doing this for a long time. And we want to kind of emphasize low-impact living. And one of our actions this summer is called Ecotopia Bike Ride, and we're going to be... Uh, uh, have riding, having a bike ride down one of the roads along which they're cutting old growth redwoods. And, uh, part of the purpose of it is to protest the old growth redwoods, but the other is to emphasize alternative transportation. So one of our demands there will be close Highway 20 to cars and trucks forever. And we just want to start with Highway 20. We don't think cars and trucks should exist. So we want to not just watch, stop the destruction of nature by this society. We need to start talking about what are we going to replace it with? Um, even though the concept of ecotopia was originally conceived relating to the Pacific Northwest, it doesn't just apply to us. I mean, certainly the same problems exist in the Midwest. Just like our industry, you know, they're, now they're milling redwoods in Mexico. They're also building cars in Mexico also. And um, people in the auto industry, I think, have experienced a lot of the same kind of thing, that the industrial base of the community is just being taken right out, just been being destroyed and removed from the community, and people can no longer do what they've done for generations. You know, And when that situation arises, I think now is the time to ask ourselves the question, it's not going to exist anymore. We're not going to be working in big auto factories in the Midwest anymore. We're not going to be working in big sawmills in the Pacific Northwest anymore. So now is the time to ask ourselves the question, what are we going to do instead? What would you like to tell the people right now? If there's like one message that you could get across in uh, a paragraph or so, just a, a, a word to the to the masses that are listening to this. Um, well, I think that the society that we're living in, this industrial society, is destroying the life support systems of the earth. I don't think it's a question of do we want to continue to live this way or do we want to change. We have to change. We cannot continue to live this way. And I think the message that I want to get across is that environmentalism is not something for yuppie backpackers who are trying to preserve scenery. Environmentalism is a matter of survival. And that the very people who are the least attuned to it are often the people who bear the brunt of it. The people who are poisoned in the factories, you know, this is the less privileged people in the society are the ones who 
get the, the brunt of the destruction of the earth. And I think that it's time for us to stop allowing these corporations to manipulate us and, and look it in the face and call it what it is. They're destroying the earth. They're destroying the people. They're destroying the economy. And we need another way of living. What do you mean it's over? It's like, what's, what's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah. I think that would be great. Yeah. That would be good. Her final response to the color was red. <laughs>